Hey, good evening. Hey, what's up? It's me again. If you, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Luke uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, we'll be in Luke uh, chapter 1. I'm a, uh, so I'm a big fan. I, I can feel... Um, uh, I can feel it's getting closer to Christmas, right? Does everyone feel that in the air? It's like there's this like growing anticipation. And for some of you, you're thinking, uh, you're like, what? I haven't gotten my, you know, all my presents in order. I haven't really like fully kind of organized everything. And so you're feeling a little bit of, of that tension. Uh, but I can kind of begin to uh, feel us progressing towards uh, Christmas. And so it kind of puts me, uh, it puts me in, a, in a really good mood. I, I think... Um, I think of any kind of theme and, and topic as we think about Advent. Uh, if you were going to, to um, kind of describe the feeling of Christmas uh, around uh, with, with people, I think it's, I think joy. I think there's just this, there seems to be this sense of joy uh, around the Christmas time that people are just kind of uh, experiencing, and, and I love that. Uh, but there's, there's something else that, that I actually uh, dislike about the Christmas season. So the, I, I love Christmas. Uh, it's great. Um, but if, if you're kind of like me, you're thinking, oh, but after Christmas is going to be awful, right? Does anybody, does anybody else experience that where you're like, you, you've got the whole house set up and you've got the tree and it feels just kind of warm and it feels comforting and it feels, you know, like, like kind of just happy, uh, joyful uh, memories. And then the closer you, you get to Christmas, you're like, okay, Christmas Eve is here and you're enjoying it. And then you get to Christmas Day and you're like, you know, like, this is awesome. You, you know, you're, you're sitting around with whoever uh, and, and you're kind of eating all the stuff that you typically eat and you're opening presents and you're doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the next day after Christmas, you're like, all right. You know, some of you, some of you are like, ornaments down everything, right? Where you're like the next day, you're thinking at midnight, Christmas day, you're like, no, let's start getting this stuff down. You know, you're thinking about 2020. And there seems to be the, like this lull after Christmas where it's like, you know, it's not so bad until the new year, but then after the new year, it just gets really, you're just like, all right, well, you know, Christmas 2020, you know, it'll be here. And it, does anybody else feel that? You kind of feel that tension where you're like, man, I was kind of enjoying the family and the food and the, and the music. And right, this is why, I've, why I have like serious satellite radio is just for the, you know, the, the holiday tradition channel, right? And you're like, and now all of that's kind of gone. And so I was thinking about that, thinking about um, the, this, this kind of theme of joy and this idea that like, Man, I, I love this season. Um, I love what this season means. I, I enjoy like getting presents. Uh, I mean, giving presents. Um, I, I enjoyed that whole. I enjoyed that whole process. But but I was thinking, man, that that sense of joy just kind of kind of fade, and it does kind of um, just kind of kind of moves out. And so uh, as I was studying this week and thinking about the idea of um, of a joy that doesn't fade, like a joy that doesn't um, fully kind of go away. And so let let's dive into our. Um, let's dive into our story. We're going to be in, uh, starting in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, um, verse 26. And then we're going to run all the way through 56. And so we're going to cover this whole story uh, with, uh, with um, Mother Mary, kind of this whole process of things that's going, going on. And then we're going to talk about um, how, how does kind of joy undergird this kind of whole process. And so let me give you like the main, uh, here's kind of like the main point on the front end. So if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down and then we'll see it flesh itself out a bit and a couple of other thoughts and then we'll come back to it um, at the end. Uh, but here's, the, here's kind of the statement for where we're going at uh, tonight. Um, here it is. Joy, uh, that's what we're talking about. Joy clings to the promises that the present doesn't reveal. So I'll say it again so you can kind of get it and again we'll, we'll kind of flesh this out. So joy, this idea of um, a, a, like a deep type of satisfaction and happiness, 
uh, joy clings to the promises, the, the, the promises that the present doesn't quite reveal. Everybody got that? Like it, it's, this is what we're going to see happen with Mary. Um, is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to attach itself. Her joy is going to attach itself to the promises that her present situation doesn't reveal. That, that is how we're going to see her with the ability to respond. So let's dive into it in verse 26. Let me, let me pray and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into it. God, thank you. Um, thank you for your word and um, the way that you reveal and speak to us. God, and so would you tonight, through the power of your Holy Spirit um, and, and through your word, uh, reveal uh, something uh, to us tonight. God, that you would form us and make us um, into a joyful people. Uh, into a people that, uh, e- even though our circumstances and, and our situation uh, may not lend itself towards feeling um, joyful and excited, we, we would be the type of people um, that can still respond that way because we're, we're rooted in clinging to uh, your promises, God. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke, verse uh, 26, um, this is what it says. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel... Uh, was sent by God to a town in Galilee of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, "Uh, Greetings, favored woman. Uh, The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34, um, Mary asked a very legitimate question. In 34, Mary asked the angel, um, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? Uh, Verse 34, which I think it's funny. This is like a Bible thing. So Luke um, Luke goes into more detail uh, in this particular part of Mary's story than anyone else. And the part that I think is so funny about that is Luke is a physician. Like Luke's the one doctor. And he's the one who's, like, if you read the other gospel accounts, they're like, they don't really spend a lot of time there. But Luke, the physician, the doctor, is like, she's a virgin. You, like, that's like one of those things where I'm reading, I'm like, that's funny. Like, I, I appreciate that. And so he, so she says, I, I, I've not had sexual relations with a man. That's how you get babies. And so I'm a little confused. Verse 35, the angel replied to her, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, therefore, the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative. So now he kind of kicks in. He says, consider your relative, Elizabeth. Uh, Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month uh, of her who was called childless. Um, For nothing. This this is the verse. It like hinges on this in verse 37. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Gabriel's like, hey, just in case you were wondering, you're you're pregnant. And she's like, well, I haven't had sex with a man. He's like, well, you're pregnant. And then your, uh, your relative... Uh, Elizabeth is barren in her old age, she's also pregnant, right? And she's probably thinking, what the, like, what is going on? And he goes, just want to remind you, nothing is impossible for God. He, he works outside of um, our understanding and boundaries in which we work. Uh, we, we work inside of I mean, We've talked about we, uh, as followers of Christ, kind of our Christian worldview is we believe in a, a controlled universe, 
that God can operate outside of kind of what we understand um, to be kind of the norms of culture and the norms of understanding. Like God can step into those things, uh, into the middle of that and begin to do what he wants. And this is what we're seeing happen in this story. Verse uh, verse 39 says, in those days, Mary set out, hurried to the town in the hill country uh, of Judea where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. So, So what does Mary do? Mary hears from the angel, and, and, and so she has this, this encounter. And, and this, is, man, this is one of the things that I've been kind of sitting on and thinking about Advent. In all of these stories, what is happening? There's this encounter that is shaping and changing people. I mean, all, all throughout the Advent story, you have the, the people, that, the, the kind of the players that are in this thing. And, and they're having an encounter with, with an angel, with, with one communicating from God. It's an incredible thing. We talked about that last week. Like the, God has initiated this pursuit of us. This is why Advent is such good news. It's why we can say, hey, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're waiting. We're representing a, a, a waiting of the Messiah. And that's good news because God is pursuing us. And so we're seeing all of these encounters. So Mary has an encounter with Gabriel. And then where does she go? She goes to her girl Elizabeth. Because she's like, all right, I trust him. You know, he's an angel. I, I feel, you know, like I can trust him. But she's like, I got to go, go see Elizabeth, right? He, he said she's pre- six months pregnant. Elizabeth is old, you know? Uh, she, and, and so I need to go. She's barren. I need to go see. I need to go see this thing. And so she, uh, she shows up in verse 40. She enters Zechariah's house, greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, um, I, I love this. Um, when, when she heard her greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled Um, with the Holy Spirit. And and then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this, now here's here's the question that she proposes, how could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside of me. Verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Now, we'll, we'll get into Mary's song here in a second, but I want to just kind of cover uh, the, the length of, of that story for a bit. And, and I was kind of taking, um, this week, taking a deep dive into various kind of like prayers uh, made by women throughout like the Old Testament and, um, and the New Testament and, and there are some really just strong, powerful... I, one of the things I appreciate about this story that I don't think we um, think about a lot, I don't know necessarily I've ever thought about a lot, is, is you have these two just um, really incredible, humble, um, meek women who are, who are seeking the Lord, who are, who, are, who are going after him. And there are these like two major players in the story, in the gospel story. And it's just like God that he would do that, that he would enter into the, the story of the Messiah by, by talking about and coming to women, coming to those who, who weren't considered kind of the, the cultural elite or those who were, who were you know, um, women d- just didn't have the type of rights. And it's like, no, no, I'm going to initiate this story, and it's going to happen through Mary and Elizabeth. All right, so let's kick back. Let's look at verse um, 26 for a second, because um, there's a couple of thoughts here that, um, that I, I think are, are significant. Um, and and kind of, honestly, they're kind of funny in this story. So look at, at verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, uh, Gabriel sent by God to a town in Galilee uh, with, with Nazareth to a virgin uh, engaged to a man named Joseph. And then look what he says to her. Here, think about this greeting. 
He says, greeting favored woman. So he, he comes to her and says, favored woman. Now, I, let's think about, um, think about Mary here for a second. Because Mary responds actually in terror. Like there, there's, Mary is like, this warning terrifies her. I don't, I don't know if we know that Mary understands scripture. We see that um, in her song that we're going to look at in a bit. But, but per, I think, man, maybe Mary understood um, that those who are called by God, you know, because at, at this point, um, God had been silent for 400 years. So, so you have the last book of the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, and then God goes silent for 400 years. And, and so we have this period of 400 years where God's people uh, don't, don't hear from him. He's, he's silent. And, and then, so now we have breaking into the scene. We have Gabriel, who's already came to Zechariah. Like Gabriel, and, and I was thinking about this today in, in the prayer time that we have um, before our, our service, right? And this idea of joy. Um, I, I just kind of have this picture in my mind of Gabriel, because we think about Gabriel, right? Maybe you watched Touched by an Angel growing up. You know, it's kind of my thing uh, was, was, um, was Touched by an Angel, right? I don't know, whatever encounter you kind of have in your mind. Some of you are like, what is Touched by an Angel? You know, Google it. It's life-changing. Should have won every TV award out there. All right, so um, I don't know what in your imagery you kind of have about an angel and, and kind of this encounter and this thought, but, but I was thinking about this earlier because we we're talking about joy, but I just kind of had this image of God the Father going to Gabriel and going, it's time, dude. Like, it's time. You know, we, we think about Gabriel as almost like this very like serious, kind of, kind of like very controlled kind of guy. And I'm thinking, man, Gabriel, man, this is, the, this is, what, this is what they've been waiting on. This is what God's people have been waiting on. But this is, this is what they've been waiting on in heaven. Like, this was the moment. And so Gabriel comes to Mary and says, favored one. Now, Mary, what do we know about Mary? <laughs> she's, we know she's a Jewish girl. We know she's, uh, she's somewhere around 14 to 16. Uh, we, we know that she, she seems to be humble. Um, we, we know that she's, in a, in a, um, she's insignificant by cultural standards. It wasn't like Mary, you know, was, was any kind of superstar, you know, culturally. Uh, she's in an insignificant town. So um, she, like, she's in that, like, there are stories in the gospel where people are taking shots at Jesus for his hometown. I mean, that, that's the kind of town that she was, was living in where they're like, does anything good come out of Nazareth? That's an act, you know, someone's dissing Jesus. And, and so she, she's, it's not like she's just in this incredible town uh, with just kind of remarkable stuff going on. Uh, we know that she's a virgin. We know that she's engaged. Uh, to, to a man uh, named uh, Joseph. Uh, we also know that Joseph didn't believe her. Uh, we, we see in, in Matthew uh, 1, 18 and 19, um, I, I'll read it for you, you don't have to go there, uh, but this is in Matthew 1, 18, 19, her husband, Joseph. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. Um, after his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, so she's engaged, it was discovered uh, before they came together, that sex, uh, before they came together, that she was pregnant uh, from the Holy Spirit. In verse 19, it says, so her husband, Joseph, this is how righteous of a dude Joseph was. Uh, it says, uh, so her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her in secret. He, he was going to, so, so Joseph, so this is what we know about this couple. We know that, that Mary was humble, 
Jewish girl, understood the scriptures, uh, was a virgin, so she's pursuing the way of God in her time. We know that Joseph, pursuing the way of God in his time, engaged to his girl. So his, his, his girl comes to him and says, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant and, and I'm a virgin, right? And Joseph's thinking what all, every guy would think is like, cool story, right? You know, I'm, I'm out. You know, this is, this is not what I agreed to. And, and, and we, but we know he was such a righteous man because the text tells us that, that he, he didn't even want to disgrace her publicly. So we have this girl, this young girl, 16-year-old, following the way of God and her, her, her fiancé following the way of God. And Gabriel comes to her and says, greetings, favored one, how, how great and honored are you? And I look at that and I think, that's a funny way to show a woman favor and honor. Like that, that is a, right, because this is a, man, we, we kind of, we, when we read scripture, we read it through our cultural lens. To be a 14 to 16 year old Jewish girl engaged and pregnant out of wedlock, like was a major deal, was a, a, a really, really big deal. And, and Gabriel comes to her with this news, because we read it and we're like, like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Mary's going to be honored and, and treasured. And, and we're, we're going to be reading about her and talking about her. But for her, this was like, this was not a, this was not a sentence that she, she wanted to get. I mean, she's distressed in this moment. And, and so I'm, I'm, thinking, um, I'm thinking about this, this kind of um, idea of joy, right? Um, because she, what we're going to see her get to um, at, at the bottom of this thing because he says, man, his reign will, will, will be forever the house of Jacob um, forever, right? In verse 29, it says that she's, she's deeply troubled. And, and he says in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God, found favor. And then, and then we get to the, the end of this thing um, and, uh, and, and we get to the end and she, she is still talking with them. Um, and then she says, uh, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. So, so I was thinking about this idea of joy in Mary's position. And here's, um, here's kind of the first thought that I was coming around. Um, Mary, and we're going to see this, especially in Mary's praise starting in verse 46. But um, Mary rejoices in her position, not her situation. So Mary, where is Mary finding the ability to rejoice in this story because it's most certainly um, not in her circumstances. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, man, usually like the, the favor of God does not equate to um, circumstances aligning, to everything going great. Uh, typically, honestly, typically when God calls you to something, maybe you know this is like part of your story, typically when God calls you to something, it's usually very difficult. That, that's, that's usually why God's calling you to it. It usually requires a type of sacrifice and, and a type of, of suffering that maybe you otherwise wouldn't step into. And so God comes into that and says, no, I've called you to this particular work. I've called you to this particular thing. And so to be favored by God, it doesn't mean your circumstances are, will always necessarily lined up. To be loved by God does not mean um, your, your circumstances will line up. If you read uh, the majority of the, the book of Acts, this is what we see happen. And so what is Mary going to rejoice in? She's going to rejoice in her position before God. Because her, her situation would give her pause to rejoicing. It would. 
I mean, we think, you know, mother of Jesus, that's awesome. She's thinking, virgin, engaged, Hebrew girl, right? And, and my, my husband doesn't believe me. My, you know, an angel had to come to him and go, no, no, this is, this is legitimate. This is for real. Don't leave her. This is part of the, the plan. This is her situation, that her circumstances um, aren't necessarily, um, they're not necessarily uh, lining up. So, so look what, look what um, Gabriel says to her. Um, look what he says to her here, because I love this in verse 28. Um, he, so he says, and the angel came to her and said, greetings, and he says, favored one. So there it is. We know that she's favored. And then he says this, the Lord is with you. The, he, he's with you. Um, and and I, was th- I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this idea of like um, all throughout the scripture story, and especially that we see in this, it's almost as if Gabriel was saying to her, hey, I, I get that this situation is going to be difficult, but like the Lord's with you. Basically, what, what Gabriel was saying is um, God's presence will be your peace. Like God's presence, Mary, he's going he's gonna to be your peace. He's going to be the one to, to kind of settle you. Like you're going to have to, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to have to walk through um, and you're going to go through. But because this is like the front end of Mary's story, um, this is like pre, uh, pre-birth, right? Pre-manger, uh, cave, right? Where he's born. This is pre-losing Jesus at the temple. Um, this is uh, pre-ultimately, uh, um, we, we know the story tells us that Mary's there at Jesus' resurrection. She's seeing her son, um, her perfect son, uh, die on the cross. Like Mary sees all of this. She's seeing it all. And, and Gabriel comes to her and says, man, God, God is with you. God will be your peace. He, he'll, he'll, be, um, he'll, be your, uh, he'll be your presence. And so Mary, because here's what I was saying. I was about Mary's story. Um, see, Mary's posture, what we know about her, um, Mary's posture, may, it, it may have been it may have contributed to where she's at, right? I, I, I don't necessarily know if Mary was like this rebellious kind of woman and, and just living this kind of wild lifestyle and it was just kind of chaos and chaotic, right? The, the, the angel Gabriel would have came to her and said, you know, your favor, God's gonna use you to, to bring about the, the Messiah. I, I don't know that that would have happened. Uh, I'm not saying that Mary, you know, Mary's life uh, you know, deserve to be the, the mother of Jesus, but, but there seems to be something about her that God saw in her, that he, he loved about her. And so her posture probably put her in a, in a, in a situation where this could happen, but her posture wasn't going to carry her through. God was. He was going to be the one to carry her through this thing. Not, not her humility, not her necessarily her understanding of the scripture, but God's presence with her. Okay, so, so he comes to her, talking with her. All right, let's go to verse 39 um, and, and, see, uh, and see in this, this particular story. So it says, in those days, Mary set out. Um, so she hurried to a town in the hill country uh, of Judea where she entered Zechariah's house and she greeted Elizabeth. So she's now here in Elizabeth's um, presence. When Elizabeth heard her greeting, the baby leapt inside of her, and then she was filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't exactly know what this looks like, that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not necessarily um, a kind of a post-resurrection uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, kind of what we see happening in uh, the early book of Acts. But we know that there was something going on. 
filling her um, with the, the presence of God. And so what, what did it? What was it Mary who brought this about? Uh, no, Elizabeth tells us. It says, then she exclaimed with a loud cry, uh, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. Um, uh, how, how has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see the sound, here it is. So for the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. So this is John the Baptist. This is the one that we see uh, in, in um, the, the Gospel of John. Uh, it's not, not, John the Baptist didn't write the Gospel of John, but the, the Apostle John is talking about John the Baptist. And, uh, and so, so this is John the Baptist in Elizabeth's belly. He was considered a kind of a forerunner of God. And so even as a six-month-old baby, he, he hears Mary come in and responds with joy at what? At the presence of Jesus. And, and this, is what, this is what Jesus does. Like Jesus' presence does what? It brings joy. Um, uh, have any of you, um, so like when you were a kid, maybe you were over at holidays at your parents' house, um, Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever, and uh, did any of you have like a, a relative that you really loved? You know, it's typically like the, like the single uncle, you know, who like brings the candy, you know, and he, the, you, like you're, uh, it, for me, you know, that was kind of that, uh, it could be an, an aunt or an uncle or, or whatever, right? They're basically, you know, you, but at an older age, you know, that's the, the, like the one family member that the rest of the family talks about, but you love them. You, you know, anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like you kind of had that, you kind of had that, rel- but maybe some of you are that now, you know, and you're kind of relishing in that. You just come in and you start throwing candy everywhere, right? But you know what I'm talking about. So you kind of had this like, this, this like, you were just waiting on them to get there, right? Maybe you're at your grandmother's house or your granddad's house or whatever, and it's kind of like boring, you know, and you're just waiting on, on, you know, Tony to get there or whatever. And like, it's just like, man, when's Tony going to get here? You know, I just want to you know, Uncle Tony's going to be here or whatever, whoever that was for you. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? And you're just kind of like, kind of just waiting around. And you're just kind of killing time. And, and maybe you kind of hear him and they're like, hey, he's almost here. And so it, maybe even you're like so pumped. You're like, you know, you're, you're outside and you're kind of waiting on him. You're, you're just waiting on Tony's presence. Like that's just kind of what, what you want is you want Uncle Tony to be there because all everyone else is lame, but he's the guy, right? He kind of, you know, he's kind of, he'll get in the floor with you and play with you or he'll do whatever, kind of create trouble with you. And so this is, this is the guy, this is the guy you're waiting on. You know, you're, and, and so he comes in and it's like for you, it was like, yeah, yeah, now we're ready. Now, now, now I'm feeling good, right? I don't have to awkwardly talk to grandma anymore. You know, I can like, I can kind of go and, and kind of engage with him, right? There was something about this, this, this relative's presence that just brought you uh, a sense of joy that no one else in the family did. Like now it could have been like devious joy, but it, there was still like, there's still this sense of, of happiness that you had because of, of this relative. Well, like, for the people of God, so the nation of Israel, this is what, like, Jesus is the one that they had been waiting on. Like, his presence, if you're reading the Old Testament, so from the, from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament, the whole thing is pointing towards Jesus. Because I want to kind of get this locked in your mind, because we read this and we're looking at it, it's like, okay, it's like 12 font, you know, words on a book, you know, it's kind of an enjoyable story, and I'm glad I'm not married, that would be awkward. You know, we, so we kind of read this stuff and we think, yeah, but it turns out well, and we kind of get it, and we got the manger scene, everything going on. Like, this, so Jesus, the, the reason that John the Baptist and the reason that Elizabeth is like, like gets, you know, giddy uh, when Mary comes in, the reason that she feels the weight of this is this, is this is the nation of Israel. This is what they've been waiting on. 
They've been waiting on the presence of Jesus. Like they've had the Old Testament law that they've been following. They got to the, the end uh, in, in Malachi and, and, and God just went silent. And they've been walking. Can you imagine being a people who've, who've historically been in relationship with God? Right? So led by, uh, led by day, um, by smoke and night, by a pillar of fire. This is the people we're talking about. Like going through the water, crossing through the water. They're hearing these stories. They're, they're in the land. They're, they got prophets and judges and kings and all these people that are communicating uh, for God on his behalf and in 400 years of silence. 400 years of not hearing God talk. And God comes to them through a young Hebrew girl, a virgin. And in Jesus, it just his presence. I mean, God hasn't even done anything yet, you know? Like he's developing. Like he's still like developing. And just him brought joy to Elizabeth and John the Baptist. And, and this is what I think, this is the, this is the thing that I, I think, because I was considering this, that, that was kind of most, um, kind of just like bothered me or, or, or um, was kind of worrisome to me. Because they equated the presence of Jesus with what? With joy. And I was just thinking culturally about that. Um, and, and, I, and I don't know culturally that people equate Jesus with joy. I'm not really sure how we got there. I, I think people equate Jesus with rules. Um, I think they equate him with holiness. Uh, I think they equate him with morality. Um, you know, I, I think that they equate him with a lot of these types of things. I, I'm not sure how many people equate Jesus with joy. And, and that, was, that was like the first emotion that he brought as his, upon his arrival was joy. And, and God's people, right, us, the church, um, I, I think a lot of that comes from us, that we're, we're not the type of people that exhibit joy and, and exhibit a type of happiness, right? We, we kind of, um, I'm not talking about just happiness, like, you know, some of you, I can, you're already rallying against it. You're like, I'm not a happy person. You know, my disposition, you know, is I, I'm just kind of, that's just, that's my resting face. You know, like, I, I know, I get all that. Like, I'm, I'm there with you. you know, I, I, I get that, right? You catch me in the right moment. You know, I, it's chaos, right? I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should be this loud, you know, you know extrovert, you know, person that, that just wants to have lunch and coffee with everybody. But, but I, am, I am saying there's a sense in which, like, Joy should be producing something in us, right? And, and that's what we said. We said that joy, what? Joy clings to the promises that the present doesn't reveal. Because your present could be really terrible. I mean, your, your present could be, uh, there could be some brokenness going on. There could be some sadness, like life's not lining up the way that you thought it was going to line up. Um, there, there's, just, there's just a lot. Um, there's just a lot that's going on and a, and a lot that's happening. It's just not not lining up. And so your current circumstances and situation don't lend itself towards joy. But what, what, what keeps God's people moving forward, responding in joy? It's, it's clinging um, to, the, to the promises, not the situation. 
And I thought, you know what? Like, I, I want to be a part of a church. Um, I want to be of a church where when you come in this space, that there's a sense of, like, joy. Not, not that we've got everything together, you know, not that, dude, if you knew my household, right, and some of you do, like, it's, it's, not that, it's not that we have everything together and everything's just flowing and everything, communication between my wife and I is just awesome and, you know, it's just like everything's just, all of our laundry's folded. You know, it's not like, it's, you know, it's not like everything's just going on in just this, like, really great situation. But, but I, I want to be a part of a church um, where we're a people full of joy. Where, where there's, there's something about kind of entering into this space. Not that there's anything, you know, special about this space, but, but the people, you know, the, here's the people and the people in the, like this, this, the people in the space is what brings this like feeling of joy and satisfaction and confidence. I mean, think about this for a second. No, no matter where you are, so we're going to leave here, no matter where you are, um, all throughout your week, you can be in a coffee shop, at work, um, on a crowded street, in a bus, train, you know, wherever you're at, by yourself, wherever you're at, God, in that space that you're in, is sovereignly over that space. And there's not anything about that space that can surprise him. There's not anything outside of his control. Nothing. There's no room that God walks into that he's intimidated. God doesn't walk into boardroom with your bosses and intimidated in that situation. God doesn't walk in your classroom with your professors and intimidated in that situation. There is not a situation where God walks into and is intimidated by that situation. And that God knows you and loves you. Can you think about that for a second? Like there, there should be a sense as God's people, there's, we should have a type of like swag and confidence about us this rooted in the promises of God, that no matter what space, like we find ourselves in, we're like, my dad's got this space. He's got it. He sees me. He sees everything. He, he sees all of this, and he loves me. This is what the presence of Jesus should be doing for us as God's people. You should not at your work, in your classroom, wherever you're at. You, you should not be this, like, down, kind of lame, you know, just like, you, you know, just, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like that should not be, that should not, when you're entering into these presents, that should, that should not be it. It shouldn't. The, 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 um, um, the, the, the writer David in Psalm 16, 11, thinking, thinking about this idea of joy, that, that Jesus produces joy. This is, what the, this is what they get. This is what 16, 11 says. You can just write this down. It won't, it won't be on the screen behind you but this is what David says he says you reveal the path of life to me and he says this in your presence here it is he says in your presence is abundant joy abundant joy he says and then at your right hand are eternal pleasures that is our dad and if you're in Christ you are his and, and so there should be like there should be a little bit of like all right you know, not, not everything's going great, you know. I've, you know, everything's stacking up on me. But my dad's sovereign, and he loves me, and he sees me, and he knows me. He's walking in intimacy um, with me. And so Jesus produces joy. We see um, that this is what was happening um, 
with Elizabeth here. We, we do something here. We, um, so part of what, what we say should be happening with everyone is there should be a type of, of spiritual formation that should be happening. And so one of the parts of spiritual formation, um, so, so how do you know you're a healthy believer? How do you, how do you know that you're doing that? The, the, one of the ways that we know that you're uh, growing in your faith and that you're being spiritually formed is that you're practicing what we call habits. We call them the habits. Some people call them spiritual disciplines. Uh, you know, we just kind of bring them on the ground and just say, hey, these are habits. This is, what, this is what you do. This is what you do with any kind of habit that you produce. And so habits consist of, of silence and solitude and, and Bible reading and journaling and prayer uh, and fasting. And, uh, you, you know, there's just, a, there's just kind of a plethora of all kinds of different habits, right? And, and one of the reasons why you should be practicing the habits on a daily basis is so that you can get into the presence of Jesus. Because it's hard. Being in the presence of Jesus is hard. Like we can get in the presence of a lot of other things. We, we can. But being in the presence of Jesus is difficult. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we, why we push and say, hey, you, you, need to be, you need to be practicing the habits. You need to be kind of fully uh, forming. You need to be in relationship with other people because the presence of Jesus brings joy. This is, this, is what, um, this is what he does. George Mueller, I love this quote. Um, George Mueller, just an incredible guy. He's kind of like a mentor from afar. You know, maybe you have those guys. Uh, they're, like, they're, they're not alive anymore, but they've really shaped you. Listen to this quote uh, that he gives, and it should be on the screen. He, he says this, um, The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. Uh, let me read it again so that you can get this is a beautiful quote he says the first great and primary business to which i ought to attend to every day is to have my soul happy in the lord and and, and what mueller got it is that no the, the first thing that i need to do in the morning is get in the presence of jesus why because jesus brings joy this is what we did in this story it's a baby. It brings joy. Closing in, looking, um, looking at verse 45. So coming in on this idea that joy clings to the promises the present doesn't reveal. Where, where do we get that? Let's look in 45, and then we'll kick into Mary's song and be done. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed. Now, what did she believe? What did Mary believe? What was Elizabeth saying? Uh, blesses he, uh, she who has believed that the Lord would do what? That he would fulfill what he has spoken to her. What is it? That's a promise. That's joy clinging to the promises that her present didn't reveal. Now Mary, let's look at her song. This is an incredible song. This, this uh, Mary song uh, was banned in, in, in certain governments and places because it, it like led this feeling of like revolt that Mary was doing. This is what she says. And Mary said, verse, 20, uh, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Because why? Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. Verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation to fear him and he has done a mighty deed with his arm he has scattered the proud because of their thoughts of their hearts and he has toppled the mighty from their thrones this like humble mary in nazareth like jewish girl 
She's like, God has scattered the proud. He has brought down those who are proud. She continues, verse 52. He has, he's toppled the mighty from their thrones. And he's done what? He's exalted the lowly. Verse 53. I love this verse. My wife and I, have, Katie and I, have been sitting in this verse this week. He has satisfied the hungry with good things. Satisfied the hungry with good things. She's, she's quoting a, a Psalm 107. And has sent the rich away empty. He has helped, here it is. Here's, here's the promise. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and to his descendants forever just as he has spoken to our ancestors. What is that? It's a promise. See, Mary's joy, the, the fact that she could rejoice in her situation, and this is all pre what's about to, all, all pre what's about to go down. All she knows currently in the situation is she's a pregnant virgin, favored by God. And she rejoices in what? She rejoices in the fact that God is a what? That he's a promise keeper. That's what she rejoices in. That he's remembering Israel. That the 400 years of silence is over. And so how do we as God's people, right, 2019, how how do we respond in joy? How do we do that? Well, I I think we, we think about the promises of God for his people. Maybe you read this and you're like, um, you're like, that's great, man. Love Mary's story. Mary had an angel come to her. Am I getting an angel? You know? Can I, you know, what, where is my, like, how, you know, I got, I, I could see that. I could see Mary's situation. Uh, you know, I'd be freaked out, but, but I, could, I could respect that. You know, how do, how do we, in this current moment, um, how, do, how do we respond? Well, man, this, this, is what, this is what Advent is about. Advent's about what? It's about a Messiah who's come, who's fulfilled, um, who's fulfilled the promises that we see all throughout Scripture. And then what we see play out, uh, Ephesians 3, um, uh, Ephesians 3.12, this is what Paul says. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, man, how do I have joy, though? How do I? Like what I know Mary's, you know, I know Mary's presence and promise, but, but how do I have it? Ephesians 3:12. In him, that's what Paul says, in him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. In Jesus, we we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So we have access to God the Father through Jesus. That's our situation. We we don't need an angel. This is, like, this is what the Son did for us at the cross. Like, He, he gave us this access. This is it. We don't, we, we don't need Gabriel. I, I appreciate him, but, but we, don't, we don't need him. Jesus has come and, and done his thing. Colossians 3, uh, 3 through 4, Paul says this, writing to the church at Colossae. He says, for you have died. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture because of what it says about us. Colossians 3, 3 through 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you're hidden. 
with Christ. And when he appears, you appear with him in glory. That is, if you're here, you're, you're a follower of Christ. That's your reality. That you're hidden with Christ. Where, where do you get joy? You're hidden with Christ. You have confidence and boldness to approach God the Father through faith in Jesus. There's your, there's your joy. There, that's where we tap into our joy. It's, it's through that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, says this. He says that the joy of God has gone, through, has gone through the poverty of the manger and the distress of the cross. Therefore, it is invincible and irrefutable. So he says, start in a manger, end in a cross, and it is done. It's finished. It's done. So, so maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and, and uh, you've forgotten your position before God. Right? You've forgotten that through Christ you've, you've been sealed. In faith, you have confidence through God the Father. So maybe you just need to, I'm, I'm going to give you a moment to pray in a second. Maybe you just need a moment to just get, like, God, man, I've, I've forgotten. Um, I've forgotten that I'm a son and daughter of the King. Like, I just, I don't walk in that. I get over-focused on my situations. Um, I get over-focused on how I'm feeling. I get over-focused on the circumstances surrounding me. God, I'm sorry. Um, uh, maybe, maybe you're here and you, you just lack joy, right? You're not spending time in the presence of Jesus. And, and you're like, man, I got to get, I got to get in the presence of Jesus. Like I'm starting my day and I'm not exhibiting joy at work or at school or in my friendships and social circles because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the presence of a lot of other things, but it ain't Jesus. So maybe you need to figure out and, and reorganize and reschedule around how you're, you're doing that. Maybe you just need to remember, um, maybe tonight you just need to remember the promises of God for you. Or maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Christ and you don't have, you don't have access to, to, to God the Father through Jesus. So maybe tonight you need to experience the joy of Jesus, the Messiah. You can celebrate this Advent. Like this would be a new, this would be a new season for you. So maybe you need to trust Christ tonight.